The Faith and Fishing Podcast is sponsored by 413 Lure Company. 413 Lure Company is a family-owned and operated business that puts Christ first and does things the right way. Using really high-quality components, they make some really, really awesome spinner baits, buzz baits, bladed swim jigs, and more in some really sweet color combinations. Check them out on Facebook to see what they can do and place your order today. Welcome to the Faith and Fishing Podcast, where you get to hear all kinds of fishermen tell their stories and share their faith. I'm your host, Cam Steele. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Faith and Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Cam, and we've got another awesome episode lined up for y'all. Real quick, I just wanted to remind y'all to rate and review the episode you like best. Those five-star ratings help others find the podcast. If there is a guest you want to hear from, let me know on Facebook, Instagram, or at faith, the letter N, fish, the letter N, at gmail.com. Before we jump into this week's episode, we've got some big news. As I'm sure you noticed at the beginning of the show, the Faith and Fishing Podcast now has a sponsor. I want to give a big thank you to 413 Lure Company for sponsoring the show and for opening up some exciting opportunities for the show, but also for you, the listeners. But as excited as I am about 413 Lures, I'm just as excited about the guests we have on the show this week. We've got someone on the show that I am sure you've all heard of. He's been a TV show host for over 40 years now on many different networks. He's been an Angler of the Year in BASS. He's caught more big bass than I've caught little bass. He's written books, including the Catch of the Day Daily Devotional, which now has its own YouTube channel. He speaks at churches and other venues and has helped design multiple different lures and baits. He is, in every sense of the word, a legend. I could spend all the time we have listing accolades and accomplishments, but without further ado, Jimmy Houston. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners and tell those who may not know a little bit about what you do with Jimmy Houston Outdoors. Well, Virginia is outdoors is a fishing show that's been on television for a long time. I, I think we're in our 43rd year, so we've uh, we've been on a lot of major networks, including ESPN. We're on the Discovery Channel right now, as well as CBS Sports, uh, Pursuit, Heartland Network, WGN, WFN. So I think we're on about 14 different networks, uh, the outdoors and also Jimmy's Adventures, which is a show that's got some hunting involved in it, as well as fishing. Um, so... Uh, and we have, we've got a great YouTube channel, our Jimmy Houston Outdoors YouTube. We've only been doing that about a year. We started that channel, as an old channel we started years ago. When I guess when YouTube started, I don't know. And we never did ever post anything on it. Had about two subscribers. That, uh, we started that channel back uh, at the end of February last year, and it's uh, built up to 38,000 now. We uh, post, uh, we'll post over 500 videos on that YouTube channel this year, so we work real hard on that, trying to build that into a into a decent channel, so but uh, we're out here just having fun fishing and uh, doing a lot of personal appearances and, and working hard. Absolutely. So, um, why don't you tell us how you got into fishing? Well, I, I can't remember fishing actually, Ken. I, I uh, golly, I, you know, my dad carried me fishing probably before I could walk, and my my two uncles, my granddad, and uh, that we just uh, that we did that a lot. When I got to in college, I with my dad on the resort on the lake, so I, I fished pretty much every day. And college, I fished pretty much every day, <laughs> and uh, started fishing national tournaments when I was a senior in college, uh, way back before BASS or FLW or any of the big organizations that we have nowadays. 
And uh, so just uh, kind of one thing led to another and led me into a career of fishing as opposed to uh, as opposed to being a lawyer. So that's a pretty good trade-off, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So in a nutshell, tell us what it is that you believe in. Uh, well, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly what you mean by that question right there, but, uh, but I believe in, I, I believe in God, I guess. So I don't know if you're leading into that direction or if we're leading into something else, but, uh, but, you know, yeah, I, of course, I'm a deacon at, at the Baptist church that I belong to. I've been a deacon for many, many years. We, uh, we, we do a lot of devotionals that we run on our YouTube channel and our Facebook, uh, and we've written several scriptural books, so uh, we're pretty heavily involved in, in a lot of things that involved around Jesus. Absolutely. So um, you mentioned your devotional um, a couple years ago. I read through um, uh, Catch of the Day. Uh, it was a fantastic devotional. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Well, the Catch of the Day is a 365-day uh, daily devotional that we wrote uh, a few years back, and it's a, it's a very successful book. Uh, it's in its second or third printing, and and uh, we actually uh, a couple of years ago decided that to stick that up on our Facebook page, and we worked really hard uh, to build a, a good Facebook page for our sponsors. And I think we have two hundred eighty-eight thousand people on Facebook, so it's a significantly good-sized Facebook page. And we actually started um, uh, printing those daily devotionals every day on Facebook a couple of years ago. And we'll have anywhere from, you know, 15 or 20 up to 40,000 people a day that read that devotional on our Facebook page. So this year, beginning uh, in January, we decided to, uh, we did a few samples on it, November, December, about once a week for a while, and let people tell us if they wanted us to do that or not on YouTube. And uh, and so we started January 1 doing a Catch of the Day reading on uh, YouTube, made a video out of it. And we've done that every day now for the, the first two months of the year. And, and so far, so far, I haven't, haven't missed a day. Uh, we do it at 5 o'clock Central Time, uh, 6 o'clock Eastern Time. I, I'm in Oklahoma, so we do those, uh, have, have those, put those up at 5 o'clock every, every morning uh, Central Time. And uh, the, the catch of the day has got a, a scripture for every day. It's got a, a devotional, and that devotional is built around fishing. And then it's got a fishing kit for every day. So... Uh, you know, not only does a person have the opportunity to start his day in the Word of God uh, every day, but you got a chance to learn. Uh, uh, I have a great devotional every day that will help you through uh, your daily life, whatever that might be. Uh, and then you also have a fishing tip for every day. So at the end of the year, not only will you uh, learn a lot more about God's Word and, and, and learn to become a better person, you can also become a better fisherman. And, uh, and that turned out to be a, a fairly popular thing so far, you know, uh, uh, we've got only 38,000 people on our, our YouTube uh, after a year uh, working on it, but uh, but it's growing steadily and growing every single day. And and we'll have three to 5,000 people a day on YouTube that watch that video. We'll have anywhere from uh, eight or 10 up to 15 or 20,000 a day that, that uh, watch that video on Facebook. So it's actually turned into sort of a little bit of a mini ministry to thousands of people every day. And we're so thankful for that. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So why don't you tell us the story of how you came to believe in Jesus? Well, I, I, I grew up in a Baptist church. You know, my, my dad was a, a Sunday school teacher. Uh, my mom uh, my dad was also a, a deacon in a Baptist church. Uh, my mom was a Sunday school teacher, and I really knew nothing but church all my whole life. That's one of the very 
unfortunate things that, that happened to me. I think it's a great big benefit for a kid to be raised in church, and, and I certainly was that. And uh, and I got saved when I was 12 years old in a little Baptist church in, uh, up on the Oklahoma-Cleveland County line. I grew up in Moore, Oklahoma, a tornado capital of the world. And uh, but, so I've seen a lot of tornadoes in my lifetime. But uh, and now I finally end up marrying one of them, so that's another story. <laughs> but but, uh, but but anyway, uh, I I, uh, I got saved when I was 12 years old, and and uh, and, and and have been you know involved in, in, in churches ever since. I did everything you could do at a church as a kid. You know, I uh, we we went to church basically every time the church doors open Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night prayer meeting, Wednesday night every revival churches ever had. And we used to have a lot of revivals back in those days. Uh, we used to also have church singing where you just meet, you know, one night at, at, at church, uh, usually different churches around the area, and, and just have singing. Just go in and, and uh, worship and praise God. And, and those were always great. We don't really have those anymore. We don't really have quite as many revivals in churches as we used to have or probably that we need. But, uh, but, but so, you know, I've never really known anything but churches and, and uh, and you know now, obviously, because of the television show, we have the opportunity to uh, to speak to fifteen to twenty five churches a year around the nation, and we've uh, had the great honor of being in some of the largest, well, the largest churches in the nation, uh, particularly the largest Baptist churches like Second Baptist in, in Houston, some of the large churches in Atlanta, uh, uh, Bellevue over in Memphis, and as, as well as uh, some of the big non denominational churches around the country and. And uh, so we've really uh, been blessed to, to be able to, to, to visit a lot of the great churches in America. Absolutely. So I don't know where all of our listeners are going to be um, in where they are, um, but why don't you tell us what you – so you said that you got saved at 12. Um, what does it mean to get saved? Well, the one thing it does is it puts the Holy Spirit of God inside your body, and uh, that, that's one of the main things because you there 24 hours a day. It doesn't matter what type of situations you face in your life or what you go through, good and bad. Uh, you have God's Spirit guiding you, so that's one of the principal things as we walk through uh, this this life that we walk through on this earth is that we've got God with us 24/7, and that's a pretty big deal. But, but the big deal is, you know, we're just passing through and. And, uh, you know, we, we're promised, uh, life eternal with God forever. And, I mean, 10,000 years, uh, from now, we, we're, we're still saved and we, we still have a home with God. And so this, uh, 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 years or whatever it may be that we're walking on this earth, uh, we, we have God's joy. We have God's help. We have God's benefits. We have God's grace. We have all the things that God promises us as we walk through this earth. And, and you know, Ken, I heard somebody say the other day that, that in the modern times, uh, the first person that will live to be 150 years old is alive right now. Uh, and that person may only be separated years old. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not you and me. <laughs> but, but maybe, I don't know, maybe you or me. But, uh, but the, that person that will live to be 150. And, and of course, as you read through the Bible, you know, it was very common for people to live to be 150 years old. That would be a relatively young age in the early stages of the Bible before uh, you know, really mankind, really corrupted mankind, I guess is the easy thing to wait to explain that, uh, where life then was, uh, was set, you know, at the parameters that we relatively have now. But, uh, but, you know, it was not unusual for people to live four, five, six, seven hundred years old. So, but, uh, but that's kind of interesting that the, the, you know, we have somebody, uh, on this earth right now that, 
is alive that probably will reach their 150 year old birthday. It's pretty, pretty, pretty fantastic when you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. So, what does it mean to you to have faith? Well, I think that to have faith means that you're going to you're going to have the joy of God. You're going to believe that God's got this no matter what. You know, I, I use the word no matter what a lot. It, it's what I call no matter what faith. Uh, irrespective of the circumstances, irrespective of the results, good or bad, that, that God's got the situation. Uh, I pretty much uh, hang a lot of what I do. You know, I've I've read the Bible completely through every year since I was in my mid-20s, so I've read it through 40 or 50 times uh, completely through, and and, uh, and it's, it's fascinating to do that every single year. I started doing it, I don't really know exactly when, but somewhere, you know, 23, 4, 5, 6, 7 years old, so somewhere in there. I don't really know exactly here, but uh, but uh, but it, it's been a lot of times that, that I've, I've read that uh, Bible completely through, and uh and, and you know when you uh, when, when when you read that through, you you see a lot of good and a lot of bad, and and there's uh, there's some scriptures that you know really kind of everybody hangs on to, and and uh, they're different scriptures uh, depending on what people you know people who have their lives have been lived got up to that certain point. But but I've got basically a couple of scriptures that uh, that that I've really kind of kind of hang everything that that I do on it. And, and one of them, uh, you know, says that that, uh, that God has the power to do uh, increasingly abundantly more than you could ever think or ask for. So that, that means that, you know, God's got the power to do more for you than beyond your wildest imagination. Uh, you just can't even fathom what God's got the power to do in your in, in your life. Uh, and, and the other which is, is, is what really sustains you is that, that uh, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So that that's where faith really comes in. Uh, you know, faith that no matter what faith means that if you get fired, that's working to better, that's working together for your good. If you go through a divorce, which I don't really know a whole lot about divorce, I'm still to that first tornado that I married over 50 years ago. <laughs> so I don't really know. But, uh, but if, if you have financial problems, which we've been through uh, incredible financial problems in our lifetime where our company has been in, you know, basically just, uh, you know, we've had two individuals that embezzled hundreds of thousands of dollars from our company and just basically bankrupted us um, two or three different times uh, in, in our in our business career. And and yet, no matter what, uh, we had the faith that God would pull us through it, and we couldn't see any solution from a financial standpoint. There was no solution from a financial standpoint. Uh, we were just literally totally wiped out uh, on three different separate occasions, two by my man and one by the government. But, 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 but man didn't control all that. You know, he doesn't control my finances. God does. And, uh, and, and, and you know, we've had, uh, we've had illnesses, we've had sicknesses, we've had deaths, uh, all of the things that are bad, we've gone through those just like every family has and will, and that's part of it. And uh, but but you know when you really take it to your heart that all those things are working out together for your good. You know, it's, you know I lost my little sister a few years ago uh, to cancer, and uh, I can remember so vividly when she found out she had that cancer, and she looked me right in the eye and she said, "Jimmy, I, I win either way. Uh, I'll either beat this cancer or I'll go on to heaven." be there waiting for you and uh, that's faith 
that faith right there. So it didn't really matter the result. She won. And uh, and so that's what faith is really all about. It, it's a no matter what kind of belief that uh, that God's got this. Definitely. All right. So I'm going to start transitioning back towards the water a little bit here. Are there any specific times out on the water that have affected your faith in any way? Well, <clears throat> we, we've pretty much uh, had several <laughs> circumstances on the water where we come really, really close to death, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you, uh, you know, when you spend as much time on the water as I have, you're going to have situations arise that are, that are uh, potentially the, the end of your life, and it's kind of like, I, I've got several buddies that are now car drivers, well, they're not going to have to run around and track too many times, so they're going to have a wreck, I mean, it's just part right. of it, and, uh, and we spend an awful lot of time on the water our lifetime, and so we've had several situations where we've We've almost died on the water. The first time happened when I was 16 years old, and and uh, and and you know, and we really should have died. We were in the water far past the hypothermia tables. Uh, we uh, we had really no means of rescue, yet got rescued, and uh, and we we've had many situations like that. I, you know, I think the devil's going to test your faith constantly. I think the life is going to test your faith. I think. Uh, being a, a you know redneck country boy like I am, I'm going to put myself into situations that uh, gets me into trouble. <laughs> that is definitely going to take test my faith in, in getting out of those kind of jams that that we you know that one good thing about a redneck. You know I don't drink, but uh, but but I love to say the statement by most rednecks, and I've certainly made it. Hold my beer and watch this. <laughs> and, uh, I don't even drink beer, but you know I still said that. Hold my beer and watch this. This is going to be pretty fun and. Uh, and we put ourselves in perilous situations. Um, so, yeah, there's been many, many times. And uh, the very first one, you know, when I was 16 years old, and you think you're bulletproof at 16, but when you face death right in the eye, and, uh, you know, the good thing about that situation was uh, and when we did sink that boat out in the middle of the lake was, uh, you know, God did bring us through it, and we were saved. I should have died and didn't. But uh, the, the amazing thing in me and my buddy Bobby Blue that was uh, in that when I sunk that boat at 10 o'clock at night in February and water that you couldn't survive in very long, but we did, uh, was that uh, we totally realized that we were getting ready to die. And uh, and we faced that with uh, both him and I uh, with a, an incredibly calm assurance that it's still okay. Uh, and, and I'm not sure that I would have or could have faced that exact same situation at 26 or 36, but uh, but we've we've had other situations where it, uh, we we've had things happen that it could have ended in death, and uh, and and it really, you know, it's scary after it happens, but while it's happening, you realize that uh, you know death is just a victory. Uh, I, I remember back when Billy Graham uh, died, and I remember a statement somebody made most impressive statement that I've ever heard, you know, and, and he lived a rich, rich, full life, was that Billy Graham lived every day of his life for today, waiting for today to happen, and it finally did. And I think that that uh, the, the, the should be what all of us are doing. We're, we're living every day of our life for that day of death on this earth, and life forever. Absolutely. All right. So what fishing story or memory means the most to you? Oh, I, I don't know. You know, when you fish as long <laughs> as I have, you got millions of them. And uh, I think the most important time for me out on the water, you know, of course, in tournaments, winning angler of the year titles, 
uh, is the biggest thing of all for any tournament fisherman. It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, I know that BASS is getting ready to have their 50th anniversary uh, classic uh, uh, in, in Birmingham this coming weekend. I'll be there. And uh, But uh, and I know they put out a video that I just looked at last night. I've been hearing about it, but uh, somebody showed me that video last night talking about Bill Dance and Roland Martin and myself as being three of the uh, you know best-known fishermen of all time that never won the Bassmaster Classic, and we certainly did not. All of us won Angler of the Year titles. Uh, Roland won more than anybody ever or anybody ever will in bass fishing. Uh, but we won the coveted Angler of the Year titles but never won the Classic. And, so, you know, winning those, those uh, Angler of the Year titles would be uh, what I think is my greatest, uh, you know, achievement or thing that I'm most proud of or pleased with in uh in bass fishing, but, 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 you know, as far as, far as fishing stories, uh, you know, the, 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 the things that have happened with my kids and my grandkids, you know, my daughter catching her largest fish, she still goes on lots of fishing trips with me all around the world. My son, you know, the fishing trips that I've had, and, and you know, he, he's been to Africa with me and South America. I actually took him to Venezuela, peacock bass fishing, uh, for his, uh, graduation present when he graduated from high school and, uh, and, and the things that I've, I've done with my grandkids, um, those are the things that are the most important fishing memories for me, not winning tournaments or winning a million dollars in fishing or, or any of that kind of stuff. Those were things that just happened along the way. Absolutely. So if whenever you're out fishing with somebody, and I know this is going to vary from person to person, but what is your typical conversation centered around? Well, it just depends. It does vary. And, and you know, I mean, we, we do a lot of fishing with a lot of different types of individuals and and, uh, it, you know, it, it changes a lot, you know, I mean, and, and also in tournament fishing, you know, we, for years in tournament fishing, we fished with a, another competitor in the boat with us. Nowadays, at the top level, you're fishing with a marshal or a, I uh, get an observer, you know, whatever you want to call them. They're there to make sure you follow all the rules. They're not actually fishing. They're just watching. So, uh, your, your conversations can go a lot of different ways. Many times, you know, they do center around God, but many times they don't, you know, it just, it just sort of depends. And, you know, and, and, and a lot of times you, you, you happen to get in the boat with somebody that, uh, that God's working on and has other people working on them. And, and, uh, if, if they know your beliefs, if they know, and, and we, we pretty much have always worn, uh, you know, God on our sleeve. We, uh, you know, we live at the foot of the cross. We live in the light. And, uh, we, we, we've always, you know, witnessed openly and freely. So it's no secret to people, you know, who we belong to. And so a lot of times, you know, people reach out to that because, uh, you know, they, they 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 get to know you. They have confidence in the fact that they can ask you questions. And uh, and and you know, and, and to be totally honest, you know, sometimes we don't recognize or realize what they're asking us out there. And then all of a sudden, you know, God will hit us right between the eyes and say, "Hey, you dummy! I sent this guy here for you to you to witness to him." And 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 and, and we do. And um, and uh, it's uh, but, but you know, the the thing about it is, for any Christian, uh, your life should be a witness totally all the time and uh, uh and because you know i i, I remember I, i'm a charles barkley fan i've always liked his openness but he was said one time that you know don't be telling your kids about what i do or don't do I, i'm not a i'm not a role model uh you, you're your role model for your kids and you certainly are a role model for your kids but charles barkley's a role model too whether he wants to be or not and i think that anytime you shun that responsibility of being a role model uh you're, you're you're not doing the right thing, and and it doesn't matter if you're a well-known person like an NBA star like Barkley, or or you just happen to be somebody that uh, that works at the, the local Ram dealership down here 
uh, you're 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 witnessing the people all the time, uh, good or bad, just by how you you live your life. Absolutely. All right. So you said um, you mentioned your grandkids earlier, um, and uh, so what life advice do you wish you had been able to start off with, and want and would want them to be able to take along with them? Well, you know, I, I, I really, I, I tell you why, you know, uh, my parents probably, uh, you know, my parents probably raised me as well as you can raise a kid, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I think about so many things and statements and stuff that my dad made to me throughout my lifetime that have stuck. And I think that's the most important thing is that you say things and you do things that, that, that a kid can remember 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 years later after you've long left this earth. And I think that's exactly what you know, parents and grandparents should be striving to do is to be doing and saying the things that, that they can take with them forever. And when they have a situation pop up out in real life, that, uh, that, that they remember that and, and they, uh, you know, they, they, they can pass that on to, you know, to the generations that, that come behind them. You know, like I said, I was raised in church uh, and I grew up in, a, in an era where it was just fine to, to, to whip your kids and I certainly got my share of them. And, uh, and and I think that's probably good. Uh, I, I didn't think so at the time, obviously, but I think it was probably a good good thing. And, and, and I think it still should be. And, and uh, so many things that we have going on nowadays, so much disrespect that we have with a lot of the young people are just because they, they were they were just uh, pampered and, and treated. They, they, just, they, they did not learn respect. They didn't learn discipline. They didn't learn some of the things that, that they, they needed to learn. And uh, there was a lot of things that... Uh, that I knew that were wrong that I couldn't do, and if I did them, I wasn't probably going to get away with it. Once I found out, I was going to pay a pretty heavy price for that. And and that in itself is probably the greatest life lesson that you can learn: is that you're going to pay a price for whatever you do improperly. Uh, you might not pay a price at the time you do it. You may be doing something that brings you a lot of enjoyment, fun at the time, but you're going to pay a price for it. I mean, that's just the way life is, and. Uh, and, you know, when you do those things as a youngster and uh, and your mom and dad finds out about it and you're punished, and you're punished severely, and I'm talking about, you know, physical punishment, uh, not, you know, go stand in the corner and have a three-minute timeout or something, uh, a punishment you can certainly remember. Those, uh, those those things are the kind of life lessons that I believe that the kids need to be learning. And, and, uh, and you know, the, and the other thing, we started our kids working in the business when they were eight or nine years old, and that's, that's even against the law now. One of the things that President Obama did during his presidency was he made it illegal for his kids to work. And, uh, and, and you know, so they get to be 16, 17, 18, some of them 22 years old, never had a job, never worked. They don't know how to, yeah, they don't know anything about it. And then we throw them out of college and tell them to go out there and make a living in the business world. They don't even know how to, you know, how to make change maybe or add, add, add up, you know, or, uh, you know, add and subtract and multiply. You know, they don't even know how to do that. And, uh, and, and so I think it's a, I think it's a real important life lesson to, to teach those kids that, you know, where, you know, where making a living comes from uh, and, and teach them the value of work and how, how important it is to work hard. And if you want to succeed at whatever you want to succeed at, you're going to have to work at it. Uh, you know, we live in such a great society. We live in such a great country that, uh, that you know, we can raise kids and have them never have to do anything significant until they're 22, 23, 24 years old. Most kids don't even go through college now in four years. Most of them use five or six years to go through college. And 
and, and, and it's amazing. But, but you know, uh, I think the key thing is, is you know, just saying things and doing things, showing those kids things that they think about 20 or 30 or 40 years later. Uh, I heard somebody this week, I had a big, uh, one of our big sponsors at Shell. Oil company, we represent Rotella diesel fuel and pit oil and Quaker State and the sale products. And, and I heard somebody talking about complaining about something. He said, I guess you shouldn't be complaining about that. And I said, well, you probably shouldn't. I said, one thing my daddy told me one time was don't complain. And I asked him why. I said, I got something I need to complain about. And he told me that uh, half of the people that I was complaining to didn't care. And the other half of the people I was complaining to was uh, kind of glad that I had a problem. And uh, so that pretty well made sense that you shouldn't complain. And so I thought, well, that makes sense to me. Uh, first of all, the ones that don't care, I'm just wasting my breath. And the ones that uh, are glad that I got, a, uh, that I'm glad that I've got a problem, I just think they not know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to give them that satisfaction of knowing that I've got a problem. So, so he was right. And every time in my my lifetime, I thought about uh, that statement that he that he made uh, about complaining. So when I got ready to complain about something, I didn't. And it, just think about it for a second, Ken. How great the world would be if everybody had that philosophy. When they got ready to complain about something, they did. Uh, that'd be <laughs> a pretty good situation right there. <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> so let's flip it around and ask, what fishing advice do you wish you had been able to start off with? Well, you know, again, I was very fortunate there, and I, I fished forever. But uh, I, I think that I think the big, big thing on fishing is go early, stay late. I've always said that, you know. Uh, you know, you're going to be a better fisherman the more you learn about fishing. That's all there is to it. And, and, and the best way to learn about fishing during my lifetime has been to go early, stay late, spend a lot of time on the water. Uh, that said, uh, we have great ways to learn about fishing in this day and time uh, because of the information age that we, we currently live in. Uh, kids can learn so much about fishing uh, through the Internet, things like our YouTube channel, things like so many other people's YouTube channels. If you want to know something about uh any part of fishing, you can uh, you can type it in there in your search in YouTube, and you'll have quite a few videos out that explain that to you and tell you how to do it. So you can learn a lot about fishing without being on the water. So the advice of go early, stay late might not be the best advice now because you can obviously go early, stay late right on the YouTube channel and learn an awful lot about fishing. You can go to live watch the television shows that we have nowadays and so many other people have and learn a lot about fishing. Uh, but, but that's, you know, it's a knowledge game like so many other games we play. Uh, but it's also a mechanical skill game. So you can't really develop those mechanical skills, uh, that well by, by watching videos. You can learn how to do those mechanical skills. You have to film yourself to, to put it into action. Absolutely. So you've been all over the world, um, catching all kinds of fish. But is there a fish left that you have not caught that sits at the top of your bucket list to catch? Well, there really is, you know, and I've never had a bucket list. I've probably fulfilled a lot of things that uh, once I got through doing them, I said, well, if I had a bucket list, that would have definitely been on there. And uh, that's happened a lot with a lot of different situations in, in my life, like, you know, driving a pace car to NASCAR race and things like that <laughs> and starting a NASCAR race. I mean, there's a lot of things, that, you know visiting the president in the Oval Office, things like that. I mean, it's just like I've had a lot of great things happen that if I had sat down and made a bucket list, they would be on without a doubt. And, and from a fish standpoint, uh, I would like to catch a bear Monday, which is a fish that basically uh, they're in Australia. There's some in uh, 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 some in some private places in Florida now where they brought them in and put them in some places. So you can actually catch a bear Monday. And, 
in Florida in, in, in ponds or private little small private lakes. But uh, but but a bear bundy in, in, in Australia is a fish that you know is one of the you know the top three freshwater fish in the world uh, on by most people's standards is a is a a, a peacock bass and a uh, a tiger fish and a bear bundy and I probably probably say a black bass the largemouth bass that we have here in America which probably have to be in there in those, but most people consider a peacock bass, which is pretty much a South American fish, although we do have those in South Florida also, uh, a, a, a tiger fish, which is basically an African fish, and uh, and a bear bunny, which is principally an Australian fish. But to those three, you can catch Florida, so you, you can't catch those, but to catch them in their national habitat, habitat and catch the really big ones, you, you need to be in those countries. But yeah, a bear bunny in Australia, I'd really like to go down and catch those. Absolutely. That sounds that sounds like a lot of fun right there. All right. And so what fishing spot would be on your bucket list if there's one you haven't gotten to yet? Well, it'd be, it'd be Australia. Uh, you know, and, and Australia is a great country. We we actually have a lot of followers on our, our YouTube and on our Facebook uh, uh, from Australia. We get we get a lot of comments from down, down under it. And uh, it's, uh, it's an incredible country from the standpoint of uh, natural resources and and fishing and hunting and and, uh, and I've uh, I would like to go down to Australia and New Zealand. Uh, they're two countries down there close together, and they've got great hunting, great fishing. And that, that, uh, I've been all over South America. I've been to Israel, been to Africa, been to Europe, and and uh, it it uh, it'd be nice it'd be nice to get to go. And I, I may go someday, but uh, uh, it, we we keep a really really busy schedule. We should be retired at my age, but. I don't ever intend to retire. You know, when you fish for a living, when are you going to retire too? <laughs> I guess I go, go go get my law degree and go ahead and be an attorney, but uh, I think I, I think I'll just stay fishing. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so we're going to pause the interview right there, but be sure to tune in next week to hear the rest of our interview with Jimmy Houston including the What's Your Favorite segment. A really big thank you to Jimmy for coming on the show and sharing his story with us. Like I said, don't forget to come back next week to hear the rest of his interview. In the meantime, be sure to head on over to the Catch of the Day YouTube channel to follow every day's devotion. And check out Jimmy Houston Outdoors. Thanks again for listening, and God bless. Thanks for listening to the Faith and Fishing Podcast. If you like this episode, please give it a rating, a review, and make sure to subscribe on whatever app you're listening to so you never miss an episode. You can follow the podcast on social media at facebook.com slash faithandfishingpodcast and Instagram at faithandfishingpod. Special thanks and a big shout out to our show sponsor, 413 Lure Company, to Jonathan Enthalancy for helping me write, play, and record the music for the show, and to Tyler Worrell, the graphic designer behind our amazing logo. If you have any questions about faith, I encourage you to contact a pastor in your community. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, get out there and catch some fish, and I will catch you on the next episode.